Hey guys, welcome to the New Deal New Minute, October 27th, 2020. I'm Jerry. We have one week until election. If you like a small dose of politics every day from a relaxed and down-to-earth environment, hit the subscribe button below. I'd really appreciate it. In this video, I'm going to explore Donald Trump's behavior, explore what policies justify those actions, and finally, a call to action for all Americans, uh, regardless of who you are and what the content is. If you just want to get to that, check this timestamp below, go to the call of action section at the end of the video, and I'll see you there. Let's jump in. All right, so what I'm really going to be looking at today is whether or not you should be trading your morality for your vote. And this is going out to Trump supporters and undecided voters, and it's going out to Democratic voters as well. Uh, you know, this could apply to everybody. In recent years, all or most Americans have been skeptical of politicians. You know, we assume that there's a level of corruption there, that they're not working in our best interest. And that's been the standard for several decades, and I'm sure in, in the past as well. Um, but we continue to vote these people into office. And that's led us to this moment with a president who seemingly has free reign with no consequences, uh, despite all levels of unsafe reaction. Um, just today, Donald Trump slammed Fox News for Barack for airing Barack Obama's campaign speech. And, you know, you can't determine what the news stations are running because it's First Amendment rights and we're in an election and the news outlets should be covering everything. We can't have a state run media. So there's just point number one. So that's kind of what I want to focus on today. The first thing I want to look at is his rhetoric in general. We've all heard him speak. We all know the things he can say. It can go from just being a little bit offensive to just not well said in general, or it can be racist, or it can be divisive. So we have, especially with school kids, we uh, there's, there's a story here that I found. We had uh, two kindergartners in Utah told a Latino boy that President Trump would send him back to Mexico. And teenagers in Maine sneered that uh, banned Muslims, uh, a classmate who was wearing a hijab, in Tennessee, a group of middle schoolers linked arms, imitating the president's proposed border wall as they refused to let non-white students pass. In Ohio, another group of middle schoolers surrounded a mixed-race sixth grader as she confided to her mother, this is Trump country. They told her this is Trump country. And these are middle schoolers. So... His language has affected America's kids in the classroom and led to bullying. Um, a 2016 online survey of 10,000 kindergarten uh, through 12, so K through 12 educators, found that more than um, 2,500 described specific incidents of bigotry and harassment could be directly related to Donald Trump's rhetoric. So it's a problem. It's been a problem in schools. So... And you heard it. Some of it's the racism. Some of it's, you know, build the wall. A lot of it's the immigration stuff. But kids are being picked on. What your president says makes a difference. And I think we just want to establish that out of the gate here. What Donald Trump says, what Barack Obama says, what George W. Bush says, what future presidents say will have an effect on your children and clearly on American culture. So what the president says matters. I just want to go over a couple of, you know, individual incidents that Donald Trump you know, from things he said or actions he took. In October 2016, Donald Trump said, our inner cities are a disaster. You get shot walking to the store. They have no education. They have no jobs. 
And while he's talking about inner cities, we know the demographics that live in inner cities, and this could be targeted at either the poor or the black community. And so it doesn't sound like a leader who's trying to lead the country into a better place. It sounds like a leader who is just denigrating the, the inner cities with, with no remedy. Um, Trump called his impeachment inquiry uh, akin to a lynching, which is offensive in itself. In August 2017, he insisted that there were many sides on both sides were to blame for that day's incident in Charlottesville, where there was a uh, white supremacist rally. And even though, again, he didn't come out being clearly racist there, to say that there were good people on both sides when there's a white supremacist rally is obviously problematic. And we've seen we've seen more of that throughout. Uh, in 2017, uh, after being criticized by San Juan's mayor uh, in Puerto Rico, Trump called Puerto Ricans politically motivated ingrates, uh, and then he would later deny the death toll in Puerto Rico because Donald Trump is obsessed with numbers. And we've seen this with coronavirus, where the numbers don't seem to matter, oh, sorry, the numbers matter to him, and that's it. What's actually happening in real lives with death toll, with, with how the, the virus or a hurricane or any event seems to affect human lives, Trump does not care about those consequences. He cares about how the stats make him look. So, um, and, and what that does is it minimizes the value of human life in general, you know, wh whether, whether it's immigrants or Puerto Ricans in that situation, or COVID victims, or black people, or poor Americans, there, there is, it's, it's not inclusive. It's not inclusive, and it's extremely divisive. Uh, he said things like, if you take the blue states out with COVID, we're at a level I don't think anybody in the world would be at, we're really very, at a very low level. And he's basically saying, well, you know, the Democratic states don't matter. You know, oh, the red states are doing fine. He's taking partisan politics and he's making it basically a tale of two countries. The country's being a Democratic country and a Republican country. But this is not the Civil War. This is not the mid-1800s. This is 2020. And he's the president for all Americans. That rhetoric is dangerous. Um, so just uh, scrolling here. And then we've got the election. He said things like mail-in ballots are bad, even though he votes by mail ballots. He said the election is going to be rigged, despite there being no evidence of that. He's just setting the stage to divide Americans further and make it seem like there's going to be some conspiracy before this was before any votes had been cast. He's refused to say that he'd commit to a peaceful transfer of power. And he's been alluding to it going to the Supreme Court, which he just appointed another justice to. So we've got how his rhetoric plays out, that it plays out in racist ways especially toward immigrants and the black community, that he is on his own destabilizing our election process, one of the most sacred rights we have as Americans to vote and have, you know, duly elected officials. He's destabilizing that. And on top of that, we have just crime in the administration. Seven associates within his circle have been found guilty of crimes. Guilty. Convicted. We have one awaiting sentence. Three more have been charged or indicted. And in August, we had Steve Bannon get arrested for you know, basically taking money from a GoFundMe and not putting it where it was supposed to be. And it's just the kind of behavior he surrounds himself with. This is a president who's been impeached for, you know, alleged illegal campaign actions with countries like Ukraine and Russia. And this is on top of the, you know, his inability to like speak in complete sentences uh, or talk academically about any issue or give us any plan on anything. And than his checkered history with women. All, all of what I spelled out on top of that, and we could get into each one of those subjects individually as well, but I don't have time. 
And we all know it. We already know the story. So, so how do we justify voting for Donald Trump? What is the justification for that language? What, what, what is so good about Donald Trump that makes electing him worth it? Republicans are fiscally conservative. They like a smaller government, bigger military. Uh, they like the military-industrial complex. They generally largely push a Christian agenda, which drives the majority of their policy stances on things like LGBTQ rights, marriage equality, abortion rights, things like that. So Donald Trump is obviously not a great candidate. I've seen Republicans say that he's not a great candidate. The issue is that they vote for policies. They're voting for things like taxes, for things like deregulation, for, you know, standing up the oil industry or continuing to stand up the oil industry and anti-immigration, which is, I think a lot of the agenda there is based in fear. To be completely honest, I feel like a lot of the things Republicans care about, they care about because they're afraid of the alternative. I won't get too much into that, but they're voting for Donald Trump. They're voting for someone who most of us would not even allow at our dinner table because of the things they've said or the things they've done or the atrocities they've committed. Democrat or Republican. There's just, there's a moral barrier there. But Republicans are voting for him. So it begs the question, is it worth voting for a tax cut if he represents your country for four years or eight years? And he has that type of effect on our children. He has that type of effect on our culture where he's dividing red and blue from the White House. He's had a campaign rally on the White House lawn, which was a clear violation of the Hatch Act. It's not even debatable. It just was. And no one called him out on it, not in any official capacity. So Donald Trump has very clearly committed a lot of, you know, a lot, participated in a lot of unacceptable behavior. And with everything I spelled out, and that's only the surface, there's too much there for, for it not to define his character. That is who Donald Trump is. Now it's just a question of whether or not that is worth voting for or not based on the policies. So the questions become, is a tax cut worth Donald Trump? Is anti-immigration policy worth Donald Trump? Is repealing the Affordable Care Act worth Donald Trump? And remember the effect it has on our children and on our culture and on the well-being of our nation. But it also begs another question. What, what is the threshold? At what point would you not vote for Donald Trump? And this is two-sided because what this also means is that the alternative to Donald Trump must be so bad that it's worth voting for him just to get your policies rather than vote for somebody else who maybe you won't get all your policies with, but the general feeling, the general well-being of the country would, would benefit. So what's so bad about Democrats? What is so bad about Democrats that electing Donald Trump to office seems like a better option than anything else? And I've got some charts that I want to put up here right on the side, but economies under Bill Clinton and Barack Obama saw massive job gains. Actually, the largest ever were under Bill Clinton. Uh, and we saw massive economic recovery as well. Um, as well as the expansion expansion of many social rights and social programs, which I think is the real rub between Democrats and Republicans. So, you know, we've got this graph right here that shows the upward, you know, advancement of the economy under Obama and then continuing on to Trump. Uh, you can also see that with, with job growth follows a similar trajectory. 
straight up from Obama to Trump, you can see a clear pattern where the, you know, the upward rise started well in, you know, early in the Obama years and has continued up into the Trump years. So we have a Democrat laying the foundation for a Republican who can then take the ball and run with it to, to better our, our economic situation. So what, is, what are the evils that the Democrats present? You know, what evil do the Democrats present that justifies the acceptance or at least many voters becoming complicit bystanders in acts of behaviors that we wouldn't tolerate from our own family members? You know, so, so basically it boils down to this. Is it worth having a racist, you know, white supremacist uh, president who is unapologetically divisive um, about, about the parties, who really only wants to be president for his supporters and for Republicans, who even if, you know, if a senator, if a Republican senator does not, you know, promote Trump, he will not back that senator. It's all about Trump loyalty. So is it worth having someone like that in office and, and taking all that comes with that, rather than voting for a Democrat, when historically speaking, at least in the last 30 or 40 years, the economy has been good under Democrats. Job growth has been really good under Democrats. Maybe you don't like the ACA. Maybe you don't like some of the social programs. But no one is suffering greatly. We have The, the last two recessions have been presided over by Republican presidents. So I think it's dangerous where we are. I think it's dangerous that we have entered a place where people are willing to vote for someone like Donald Trump, who's going up the authoritarian path, rather than vote for someone else who maybe doesn't provide everything that they want, but history has shown provides economic stability, job growth, wage growth. So what's the issue there? So these are just some things that I would like Trump supporters to think about. Those undecided voters, you know, think about whether or not it's important to vote with your morality, vote with your heart. Vote with what you know is right, because we cannot be giving up our integrity and our dignity and our self-values just because we want a tax break, just because we want to repeal a health care plan. We, we, it's not worth sacrificing, in my opinion. Maybe for some people it is. Maybe for some people those things are worth sac sacrificing your individual moral compass. Um, but I like to think that most people, you know, wouldn't go down that path. So my call to action is this for all Americans? Go vote and vote for who you feel like will be the best president. But moving forward, it is our responsibility as voters to make sure that we are electing into office at every level people who share not just our values, but our moral compasses. We need to remember we, we can think all we want that. Corruption has led to these people being in office and that we need term limits and everything else. But the fact is, Mitch McConnell gets voted into office by Kentucky residents every year. Every, every corrupt politician that you can think of is getting elected into office by people in their respective states, counties, country, whatever it may be. It falls on the people to cut that, to make it stop, to promote candidates who have more, a better moral compass or ha are better on the issues or will better represent them. So my call to action to all Americans is go vote, this, go vote this time out. And then between now and the next election, make sure that if you don't feel like your politician is acting in the best interest or is corrupt in any way or isn't on the up and up, go find a candidate and nominate them for office and then go elect them to office because it is up to us to get rid of the corruption in our politics by putting new people into those positions and removing people who have been in there for 
30, 40, 50 years and are entrenched. So that has been the new many minutes for October 27th. Thank you guys for watching the video. If you like what you hear, uh, please subscribe below. I would definitely appreciate it. Go check out thenewdeal.com. Uh, you can see my podcast there as well. Uh, and it's also on your podcast subscribe uh, provider of choice. So if you want to check out the podcast, I'd appreciate that as well. I will talk to you guys tomorrow, seven days till the election. Here we go. Have a good day.